It's Animal Calls! Does your dog seem like he's on doggy downers? Does your cat act less than catty? Does your horse keep saying, of course, just to agree with you instead of saying what he really wants? If so, you've come to the right place. Animal Calls takes your calls, helps you understand your pets, and helps them thrive. And now, here's our ringmaster of the Animal Crackers world, UW-certified animal behaviorist, Carpathia Kingsley. Welcome to Animal Calls. I'm your host, Carpathia Kingsley, taking a break from my own personal zoo in the glorious Pacific Northwest to answer your pet, livestock, and wildlife-related behavior questions. I am a certified animal behaviorist out of the Grand University of Washington. So don't be afraid to call. Unlike some of your naughty pets, I don't bite. Our call-in number is 425-373-5527. That's also 888-298-KKNW, which is 5569. And I'm here for the next hour awaiting your calls so we can discuss whatever problems you may have today. I'm going to go ahead and fill a couple of moments here until we we have any call-ins by talking about my background a little bit. I lived in Washington State before, moved back to California at one point, and then up to Northern California, which is now dealing with wildfire situations again. I happen to have been living in the town of Paradise in 2018 when the camp fire erupted. And I had a farm and lived there on my farm pretty much by myself. I did have a tenant at the time that I helped escape, as well as all of my animals. So I really like to emphasize the importance of being able to have control over your flock, your herd, your pack, whatever it is that you may have. In an event of an emergency, it's very important to be able to get out. Um, In my case, I had chickens and geese and rabbits and a horse and goats and dogs and you name it, finches that I was able to wrangle up in record time, cage everyone, and try that with a mated pair of geese. It's uh, pretty tricky. And I would love anybody who has a call that wants to talk about being attacked by geese because I love to joke that everybody has that story of being attacked by a goose at some point in their life, which is fantastic. So feel free to call in and talk about that, and we can discuss why geese do this and how you can spare yourself, um, and also how being bitten by a goose is 10 times worse than being bitten by a duck. And we can get into that as well, with geese having those serrated bills and all, and how they can uh, really, really cause damage, blood, bruising, And uh, a real fun time if you're watching it. No, I'm just kidding. So I'm being joined in the studio today by my producer, Anthony Watts, if you would like to say something. Well, I would like to say hello and and welcome to radio. Welcome to radio. Yeah. Are we welcoming each other to radio or or the audience today? (laughs) (laughs) Well, welcome to everybody, no matter where you're at. Yeah. Um, I'm from uh, Chico, California. I've been a television meteorologist since 1978, and I met Carpathia through Facebook 
before the campfire. And then after hearing her story, and we sort of struck up a friendship by Facebook. And um, so the result of that turned out to be uh, she was interested in radio, but she didn't know how to get a start. And then one day she told me, I'm going to become a certified animal behaviorist from UW. And then I said, that's it. It's just like the Fraser show, except for animals. That's what we came up with. And so here she is today. And the interesting thing about this girl is that she can talk for hours, okay? <laughs> I mean, she really can. But she also has a vast amount of knowledge, unlike anyone I have ever heard in terms of animal behavior. And, uh, and as a matter of fact, when we came up here back in March to interview for the position for this show, when we met the general manager, he, he had a problem with a new puppy and a, a new home that they moved into. And she was able to solve that problem for him while we were in the conference room before we'd even gotten to the whole, you know, nitty-gritty of the whole radio show. So she's got a lot of background, and I would urge you to um, think about calling in. You got a problem pet, a pet that can't, you know, quite get under control or is doing weird things or uh, <laughs> things you don't understand? Uh, well, call Carpathia because she's got the answers. And the call-in number is? It is 425-373-5527 or 888-298-KKNW, which is 5569. Okay, so I've been saving a question about my dog. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick off the first question because as a producer, I'm privileged to be able to do that, <laughs> right? <laughs> so are. I'm going to ask you a question about, I have a Japanese chin. Now, for those of you that don't know what that is, it's a, a little dog that was uh, bred in Japan to be a palace kind of a dog, a royalty dog, small and quiet, uh, great personality. Um, but um, I've had trouble with him uh, trying to get him to take pills and... Um, you know, he had a problem with last year with heart uh, issues related to age and other things. And I was trying to get this dog to take pills. I tried everything I could think of. And um, one day um, I called KK and asked her about that. And what was, what was the solution? Well, there's different techniques that you can use with different animals. Um, in the case of my own personal dogs, all I have to do is throw a pill on the floor and hold the other one back. <laughs> <laughs> They're very competitive and anything that hits the ground is fair game. So it's simple with them. But animals can be tricky. Uh, I've had horses that you could grind up the pills that they needed to take and mix it with applesauce to suddenly discover that they won't touch applesauce. And I have a horse currently, you know, Mr. Ed Edelweiss. Who yes, I, she has a horse named Mr. Ed, I, believe it or not. People call him that, yeah. It's Edelweiss, but it's easier to call him Eddie, Spaghetti, you know, whatever people want to say, or Mr. Ed. And with him, I, he's, he's that horse that you can just throw all the pills into a bucket, and he's just going to eat them because he'll also eat chicken sandwiches, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which I found out quite accidentally when he ate a friend's I, I've chicken I've seen this sandwich. horse eat yeah. pizza. Yeah, yeah. Well, he had cupcakes for his birthday. He was born on the 4th of July. <laughs> anyway, so back, back to my to problem that. with Kenji. Yeah. So with Kenji, um, what I had suggested was that you grind the pill up and mix it with some yogurt and bop that on his nose and just keep that in a spoon and keep bopping pieces onto their nose because it triggers their instinct to want to lick their nose. And once they... <laughs> Once they discover, you know, hey, this is groovy, I can lick this off my nose and I'm getting free yogurt, um, 
they, they'll, they'll go yeah. for it. It's the same instinct in humans. We sneeze and we got stuff on our nose. We want to get it off as soon as possible, right? Most people do. Most I, people I, I do. wish all people did, but I've seen people that lagged way too long, <laughs> and I've seen people that didn't do anything about it at all. So, um, yeah, I would hope most people are on the uh, expediting that list and want to wipe their nose off. So as Kinji continues to lick the yogurt off of his nose, he's going to get the medication and Ammon, and it, and it could be that simple. If you can't get into the back of the throat and push a pill down, um, which is, you know, frequent something that you do with cats. Also, there's a technique with cats where you can pull on the jaw a little bit and then slip the pill down the back of their throat really quick. Cool. Well, and it worked. It really did. I was shocked. Because I know my dog does not like yogurt. I mean, he would not go and eat it. But as soon as I did that, boom, problem solved. It's also a good way to get a dog to uh, trigger their appetite if a dog is having problems eating. You know, a lot of times people will say, my dog is off food. And, and of course, if something like that's happening, you want to consult a veterinarian. I, I am not a veterinarian. So many behavior problems can be rooted in issues that are for a veterinarian. And I strongly advise you want to get that off the list first, check with a veterinarian if something's going on. And then if the veterinarian clears the animal, then you're looking at training and you're looking at behaviorists like myself and others um, to answer those problems. But I've seen dogs that the vet said they've cleared the dog for what the dog needed to be cleared for, but the dog was having an issue with not having a good appetite. And the baiting the nose in that fashion works for them as well. Um, there's a lot of things you can also use for that to trigger and stimulate appetite, like even the oil out of a tuna fish can. That's something that can really get a dog interested in their food. Very few dogs are going to say no to a can of tuna fish, believe it or not. Mine will. <laughs> you got one of those. He is, he's finicky. like a cat. He's so picky. Well, the, the, like you say, they're little palace dogs. Yeah. They're little palace dogs. You might have to convince him that what he's getting is, is very special. He needs the royal treatment. Hmm. We've got a couple calls, if I can just jump in here. Absolutely. Bring it on. Well, we've got uh, Melissa on the line right now uh, calling from Bellevue. Apparently, she's having an issue uh, with an aggressive dog. Oh, no. Melissa, talk to us. Hi, um, I have a dog named Zuzu. Um, she's a five-year-old yellow lab. Uh, we also have a younger one, too. Um, we had, she was brought into the house. We've had her since she was a puppy. But when we got her, we had an older dog that unfortunately passed away um, probably three years after we got her. And about six or seven months after um, the older dog, Luna, had passed, I'm sorry, it's a little confusing, um, we started noticing that she had aggression towards other dogs outside of the, phone, the home. So not the familial dogs or, you know, my sister's dogs or my mom's dog. It was just everybody else's. And so I was just wondering, um, listening to you, if you had some ideas or suggestions of how I might be able to help um, curb her of that and, you know, kind of correct it to be that happy-go-lucky that can go to a dog park and be off leash and be okay. Well, Labradors are fantastic dogs. I'll just say that. So this kind of behavior should be should be manageable. So I'm trying to get like the whole full story on this. Zuzu is five and is a lab. Yes. Yes. And now, yes. and had the lab. older dog that Zuzu was with. What was the behavior between those two dogs? What was the 
dynamic between the two dogs? Um, our older dog, Luna, she was a black lab as well, and she was kind of the alpha, if you will, but she was definitely more of a dog person, she didn't, or a people person. She thought she was a person. She didn't necessarily act like a dog, um, except when it came to playing ball, but she didn't <laughs> play or roughhouse or do any of that. Um, and I felt like when we brought Zuzu in, the little one, she just kind of looked up to her and kind of followed some of her trends, whether they were good or bad. Or um, I think she learned barking from the old dog, unfortunately. But um, aside from that, I mean, they got along really well. They played their way that they could, but they didn't necessarily um, do horseplay or anything like that, if that makes sense. Uh, what was the senior dog's age? Um, when she died, she was 10 and a half. Oh. Okay. And she died of cancer. So it wasn't, she had, um, she had been suffering from cancer for the past year before she died. And how, how did Zuzu respond to uh, Luna's issues with, with having the cancer? Was there, I, I would imagine, pain involved in that? There were, I'm sorry, there was what? what was there pain? What, was Luna exhibiting pain? Um, the last two days, she basically had, um, it was a cyst and the cyst ruptured and she, once that happened, she died two days later. So that part was fairly quick. Um, I think that, you know, just from observance, she didn't die in the home. So, um, the dog wasn't around, Zuzu wasn't around when she passed, but at the same time, not having her there, um, you know, we just noticed her being more clingy to us and probably a little bit more sensitive to how we talk to one another. But um, aside from that, we didn't notice a ton of behavioral differences. Okay. But, but I, it may have been because we were grieving too. I don't know. And now she's exhibiting aggression at the dog park? What exactly is she doing yeah. at the dog park? Um, usually, like, if we're, she's always on leash, but whenever we're at a, a park and there's another dog around, she growls, she barks, she'll lunge at him. Um, it doesn't happen every single time. We've been trying to work with her, but it's still at the same time, we're just looking for some some help and some ideas that might um, might be able to make her kind of that happy dog that she used to be. Well, I would imagine you would want that absolutely and that can be kind of scary when it's 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 random like that so sometimes she's being okay and sometimes she's having these aggressive towards other dog tendencies is she aggressing only on leash or off leash as well um you know we don't really put ourselves in that situation to have her off leash um we were at a family barbecue and um, one of the guests brought their new puppy and so we had her in her harness still, and we were holding on to the harness, but she didn't have her leash on, and she kind of made a lunch. So then we kept her on leash until we could acclimate the two dogs together. And now there's another dog in the home with this lab as well now? Yeah, and we've had her for two years. Okay, and this, so there is a younger dog. So this lab mm-hmm. is in the middle of yes, was dealing with an older dog that probably, I'm imagining, was she being rather gentle and uh, kind with the other dog in the way that she behaved yes. and played? Okay, yes. so a lab picking up that, sensing that this other dog is in decline and probably um, acquiescing to the dog that's in de- decline, and then having a younger dog that now she's probably being somewhat protective of, 
could put her in a position of feeling in between two things where she's having to be sensitive to another animal and that can trigger some issues with them not liking new dogs that are unfamiliar around them. A new dog is a potential threat to the young one that this dog is now having to raise in in her head and also would have been a threat possibly to injuring or harming the older dog that she was being sensitive to. Um, Mm -hmm. I would say familiarizing her with unfamiliar dogs is going to be your best bet. And honestly, dog parks can be rather chaotic. Uh, She's being kind of thrust into a situation where she's having to make all these different decisions at once without a whole lot of focus that's being taken away from the dog in a dog park. So a dog that's having behavior problems, my opinion is, is a dog park is not the greatest place to work those out. Uh, my mm-hmm. suggestion would be if you have any places around you locally that offer basic obedience, I would start there with getting her into some kind of basic obedience class. And don't take the younger dog with you. You want this okay. to be just you and her and introduce her into uh, an environment that's quiet and calm where she can work with some basic obedience with you around other dogs that are all on leash. That way you're not having the out-of-control environment of all these different dogs running around and all these decisions she's having to make and and posturing herself uh, in a manner of, of dealing with that where she can go ahead and, and get reintroduced that way to other dogs safely on leash with other dogs that are in control and on leash. I would start there and have it be just whoever the main handler of the dog is or if there's two of you, both of you going at the same time, both of you going individually and keeping her on leash and reintroducing her to uh, okay. new behavior patterns by being in that kind of a controlled environment before going back to the dog park. Okay. No, that's perfect. Thank you so much. You're welcome, and I invite you to call back to give us an update on that in the future. Oh, I will. Don't worry, and I'm sure I'll have some issues with the little dog, too, because she's a handful. (laughs) Good luck with that one as well. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for calling. And before we go to our next caller, uh, I would like to remind everyone that you're listening to Animal Calls, and you can find us on the web at animalcallsradio.com. We're entirely listener-supported, and that means that if you like what you hear and we're solving problems for you, we'd like you to visit the website at animalcallsradio.com and consider making a donation to keep this show on the air. Carpathia? Well, I like everything that you just had to say. I can agree with that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's all true. Wonderful. And we've got another call. We've got Jean from Kirkland on the line. She's moving soon. She's wondering how best to help her dog handle it. Fantastic. Uh, Talk to us. Jean, you're on the air. Oh, hi. Hey, I'm calling about my dog, Tonks. And I'm moving. I don't have a new place yet, but I'm going to start talking to her about the move. She's never lived anywhere else. Just looking for some... She's a super uh, kind and loving, sensitive dog, and I just want to be educated on how to handle the move. Fantastic. So what was her name again? T-O-N-K-S, after Nymphadora Tonks on Harry Potter. (laughs) Fantastic. Um, Tell me a little bit more about the dog. Uh, Male, female? She's a girl, and she's um, 
you know, she's a mix. She was a rescue pup. And she's a runt of nine. And she's very gentle. I'm able to walk her off leash every single day. She walks by my side. Um, she's very much of a pleaser. Do you know her age? She's going to turn 11 in October. So she's a senior dog. Okay. How, how is her vision? I think she's losing her vision. That can be problematic when you move because the okay. dogs really, they orient, orientate themselves around um, their surroundings, uh, obviously being able to see. And they, they can, if she's never known another home, uh, she's really become familiar with her surroundings there. I've, I've seen issues with dogs that had declining vision, really struggle going through a move. So hopefully where you're going, you're planning on staying. So the secondary thing that's going to kick in for a dog to be able to understand its surroundings is scent. Uh, dogs are hugely scent-oriented, uh, having really large olfactory glands. Scent is everything to a dog. So I would say with tonks, um, what you would want to do is, is, are you going to have the luxury of being able to go back and forth and see the location you're moving to, or you don't know where you're moving to yet? Is that it? I haven't gotten a place yet. So, I mean, that was my intention, but I haven't. It may be a rush thing, So, but if possible, I'll go back and forth with her, is what you're saying, so she can get some familiarity with it. That would be, that would be a good step in the right direction uh, to begin with, again, so that before the vision declines any further, if, if it were to, I'm not saying it's going to, but uh, often that can be the case, you want the dog to get a really good visual of her surroundings because at that point they can really bookmark that and manage to get around just fine. Um, if their vision goes out completely, that's, that's when moving can be a real serious challenge. But my suggestion anytime someone is moving to a new location, often because of scent and unfamiliarity, Dogs, uh, less so with a female, like you have, more so with the males, they're going to want to mark places and start having issues with um, urinating in places that they shouldn't. Again, it's because they want to imprint their scent into the new space. So something that you can do that can make that go a little easier is taking some of her personal things. Uh, if she has some kind of a bed she sleeps on, if you have articles of clothing that you can lay next to her, T-shirts that she can sleep with, sleep on, that you can start taking to the new place and sort of imprinting her smell and scent into the areas that you want her to be friendly with. Um, if she's going to be contained to one area of the house more so than others, to really imprint that smell. Uh, it's very important to dogs to gain their bearings if a place already has their smell in it and and kind of replicate the things where you put stuff where where the food would go say if you always keep the food and water bowls in the kitchen make sure you do that and put them in the kitchen and and her try try to replicate the settings as much as you possibly can so the animal understands this is my space and it's not too different from the space that I had before it would be a lot easier and again scent is huge they they often will have issues when they move into a new place that, that that's the first thing that sets a dog off. This smells funny. Um, I would make sure that you don't go too crazy with things like carpet dust, carpet shampooing. Um, make sure you keep the same laundry detergent. 
take your bedding and things over there and set up your bedding. And I'm going to say something that might be a little bit gross, but maybe don't wash your bedding and then go set it up in the new place. Set up your bedding as it is in your old house with your scent all over it. And just try to keep things, uh, you know, to a minimum of shock by having the smells and the positioning of the things that the dog is familiar with replicated as best as you can. And again, if you can make trips back and forth, that makes it a lot easier to walk her around through the house and let her let her find a new space that she's comfortable with and let that be her spot and maybe let her pick that out. That sounds wonderful. Are there any nutritional items or anything that uh, you recommend about sight in general for dogs or particularly for my dog? Because I'm just guessing she can't. I'm guessing she's a little more startled. Her eyes look a little different, and I'm just guessing that she's losing her sight. And when you mentioned it, I thought, yes, this has been on my mind. I'm not a veterinarian, so I have to be really careful how I, you know, obviously if you went to a vet, you could have her vision checked. I can give you some tips of things to test for vision. Is, Is she the kind of dog that can catch a treat in her mouth or a ball or something when you toss it? Yes. Okay, so if she's done that, try doing that. Um, tossing a treat or a ball and do that when it starts becoming more dim like dusk sort of like lower the lighting around in the room to where it replicates dawn or dusk and do the treat tossing you you can really gauge a lot in my opinion that way if something's coming at them and the way that they position themselves and snap at the treat are they getting it 100 percent of the time or are they starting to to lose that and and you know they're not catching the treat as frequently, and you, you can kind of see that going in the eyes. You, you, you start seeing that, and you start watching that behavior where they're looking around, and they're kind of confused that stuff's bouncing off of their face, and it didn't used to be that way. But if you're bringing the, if you're bringing the lighting down, like I say, to replicate dawn or dusk, that's that I was always taught is one of the first indicators for vision loss and it going in that direction. As far as okay. supplements um, regarding that, again, I would. I would ask a vet, but there are products out there that that can kind of stave it off a little bit more so than, uh, you know, just letting it go. There are things that you can do. There are things you can manage. I I have an elderly American Eskimo and I his vision is declining. His cognitive faculties are are very much declining. So I keep him on salmon oil. I I give him salmon oil with his food every day. So it's it's a natural thing to, to give him as a supplement. And fatty things like that help help with the brain. They help build the brain. I would suggest that to people as well. Again, I'm not a nutritionist, but I can say this from experience. Okay. And can you, uh, the salmon oil, does it have to be human grade or is there, does it have to be a specific um, pet grade or does it matter? Salmon oil is salmon oil. <laughs> there are pet grade salmon oil things that you can do. I, you know, a lot of that is the ease of, of using it. Uh, mine is in like a pump bottle, and I keep it in the refrigerator, and I can just pump a couple pumps of that either on top of food or by itself because my dogs are going to kill each other to have salmon oil right out of a of a tin. They, they don't mind. So, you know, in either in either manner, if you happen to live someplace that's, uh, you know, nearby where you have access to salmon itself. I used to live where there was a hatchery, and you could get lots of salmon for free, and I would just put that in a crock pot and feed it to my dogs after you know obliterating it so you don't have to deal with the bones and whatnot by putting it through a food processor or making it into a pate um, you can do things like that as well for little to zero cost 
But I, I would say, you know, you want to stick to maybe a human grade or if it says pet grade. I don't know what other kind of grades of salmon oil there are out there. I don't know if people are using it for you know, vehicles or something or cleaning supplies. <laughs> it it should be fine. You should be fine. I'm very grateful to you. Thank you so much. It's great advice. You're welcome. And please call us back when you can if uh, you have some kind of updates. We love to hear updates. Will do. Thank you. Thanks. And I want to remind everyone that you're listening to Animal Calls on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, KKNW in Seattle. If you like what you hear about the way that Carpathia Kingsley solves problems with your pets, because she's a certified animal behaviorist, we invite you to visit our website at animalcallsradio.com. Animalcallsradio.com. We're entirely listener-supported, so if you like what you hear, please give us a tip through GoFundMe. All right, shall we take another call? If we have another caller, bring them on. <laughs> We've got a couple more callers on the line right now. Uh, first, let's talk to Cheryl in Port Angeles. She's got uh, a dog barking issue. So <laughs> let's bring her on. Hello, Hello Cheryl. Hi. Um, yeah, I have a little Sheltie. Her name's Maddie. And um, I'm having a real issue with her barking all the time. She barks. She barks at everything. She barks at the wind, the bugs, the <laughs> grass moving, anything that's going on. Bitty and Marcus. we have tried, um, you know, those beeper things that you get that only dogs can hear? Oh, goodness. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Like a dog whistle kind of. Uh, um, like a dog whistle that people can't hear. That doesn't do any good. We've tried spraying her. We've tried water, which had worked for a little bit. She would stop. But then now she's afraid of us because every time she sees us with anything that looks like a spray bottle, she runs away. And it's like we're just having a terrible time trying to figure out what to do to get her to stop barking. And I know Sheltie's bark a lot. That's that's their nature. But if there's anything you could suggest that might help us, you know, just kind of calm her down, it would be awesome. <laughs> No problem. I, I also have a Shetland sheepdog um, at home, so I'm aware of the barking. All herding breeds have a tendency to be very talkative. We, we have selected them for that trait. These are animals, the, your Border Collies, your uh, Aussies, all of these dogs can be talkers. And I think we, for one, we have to look at it that way, that the dog's communicating. We we cultivated these animals for their communication, and now we're kind of degrading them down to pets uh, that don't have a job, and they want to communicate. They, they, right. They're highly intelligent. Highly intelligent, so on the good side, very trainable, very workable animals that want to work together with you. Uh, like I say, that's what they were selected for. They, they can read you from across a field because... They had to. This is what we wanted with all of our herding breeds. So, um, first of all, spraying with a water bottle. Let me talk about that for a second. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, work. people people love to do this with cats. You know, it's a thing. And when we do this, you know, and I'm not saying that dogs are particularly more sensitive to cats, or maybe I am saying dogs are more sensitive to cats. Um, That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, cats cats get a bum rap in a lot of things, Um and, you know, they're, they're more of an ancient species, I will say that. Dogs are, have been domesticated to the point of not even having the wolf genome in them anymore unless they're in the cluster that do. Like, uh, I have an American Eskimo, so I have two ends of the 
opposite ends of the spectrum of, of dogs in the dog world. But oh, you don't want to cool. – spraying them with a spray bottle can make them very neurotic. For one, the dog is taking your lead. They're listening to you. You're, you're the one that they're looking up to, especially a herding dog. They've always got eyes up, eyes up, eyes on you um, and, and looking to you for what the next move is. What am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to move the sheep to the left? Am I supposed to move the sheep to the right? And then you're spraying them with a water bottle. It, it can cause, you know, obvious distrust it can cause um, neurosis, uh, neurotic behavior in the animal. It's not something you want to do. It's, it's not training. Uh, there's no training involved in just random punishment that's going to create a neurotic dog. So you yeah, don't... I kind of got that idea because, like I say, she <laughs> runs from me when she sees water. Even if I'm doing dishes and I've sprinkled, you know, like kind of splashed water, she'll run away from me. Yeah, and then that's where I'm talking about. Um, don't waterboard your dog. <laughs> yeah, no waterboarding. <laughs> You don't want no. to introduce uh, things that are going to cause neurotic behavior, and that, that's certainly one of the things that will create neurotic behavior. So yes. let's get back to um, she's talking to you. She's trying to communicate things to you, and, and things that might be a real big deal to her, um, mm-hmm. they might not be a real big deal to you. So, I mean, a lot of times people will say, how do I get my dog to stop barking at this and barking at that? Well, you know, again, then it's going to be, well, I don't, you know, I was upset that the dog was barking because the doorbell was ringing uh, because I was in the middle of something. But now I'm upset that the dog doesn't bark when the doorbell's ringing because I wanted the dog to let me know when someone's at the door. So, again, dogs don't understand all these nuances of what we want in the second that we want them and the, the, the reasons that we want them to do what they do because it just doesn't make any sense to a dog. You know, dogs don't have these agendas. But, right. I mean, I want her to bark when, like, somebody's at the door right. or somebody's outside and, you know, let me know that somebody's there. Well, I would say, um, for one, we want to kind of dial back on the neurotic behavior from spray bottling and waterboarding and whatever else we've done. Yes. What I do with my Sheltie is, is he's barking. He's trying to tell me something. I have him, you redirect uh, the behavior, the response Instead of just sitting there barking, 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 and maybe you're yelling, shut up, or trying to shoot them with a spray bottle, which, yeah, is, is just upsetting. It's, it's kind of like throwing gas on the fire, you know? Um, mm-hmm. you, want, you want to redirect the dog to doing something else. What I do is, again, with a herding dog, this is very, very simple. You call them and have them come to you. So the barking okay. has started. You know, maybe it was because of something that matters. Maybe it's not. Uh, again, you can kind of mitigate some of these things where if she's barking at grass blowing, um, maybe close those curtains uh, during windy parts of the day to to stop things like that. Sometimes it's as easy as management and doing things like that to reduce that behavior. But when she starts it up, I would call her to your side and okay. have her sit there. After she has sat and been quiet for a second, then reward her. So instead of doing um, negative punishment, we're doing some positive reinforcement. So calling her to you, having her sit down and be quiet, and when she learns, oh, okay, this is upsetting me, I'm telling you about it by barking, now I'm going to be redirected to come over here, sit down, and after I've been quiet, I'm being rewarded for being quiet. You make sure that she's quiet because you don't want her to run to you barking and and be rewarded for that because then she thinks randomly at any point of the day I can just start arbitrarily barking and then running to my owner for a treat. You want to make sure that she calms down and maybe reassure her by petting her 
okay, you know, there's, there's, you know, we're good. There's nothing outside the window. And again, you don't want to do that in a nervous manner. Um, I'm going to refer to Caesar Milan here, although some people don't like Caesar Milan. Um, I do. I like Caesar Milan. I, I watched him quite a few times. <laughs> <laughs> there were some things that um, in my schooling were pointed out that maybe weren't the best things that that he would point out, but. I, I do like a lot of things he did, and, and he's kind of cute, so we, we can't fault him too much, right? I'll agree with that. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what he would say is you don't want to feed into the animal's anxiety. So if, if you're anxious and she's barking at the grass blowing outside, she can probably really pick up a lot of that too. And then you're getting angry and you're yelling. Now she's picking up on, you know, maybe she's yelling because the grass outside being blown around is a really, really bad thing. And that's why you're you're yelling and she's barking. And now you guys are barking together is the way she's she's seeing it. So she's oh, right. That's a good point. Yeah, she's right. And and she needs to be louder. And now you're both barking like a pack of dogs. <laughs> so <laughs> you, you want to redirect that. And like I say, Caesar Milan style, keep yourself calm. You know, and as you're petting her and saying, you know, thank you. Thank you for letting me know somebody's at the door. Thank you for letting me know somebody's across the street. Be very calm about it. It's no big deal. You know, the okay. grass grass is the grass is fine. The people across the street belong there. Or maybe they don't, you know. Maybe you okay. need to be checking out what she's talking about. Okay, so just pet her and kind of talk to her until she calms down. Yeah, but I would say after you've got her to sit and be quiet. Again, because okay. you, you she don't. Will, she will sit for me. Well, she's a Sheltie. She better. I, I, I <laughs> tell better. my Sheltie she that better. they have a higher standard. <laughs> I, I, I love to tell mine, although people get upset, you know, a Shetland Sheepdog is not a miniature rough collie. Um, they still look like it. And I like to guilt mine into thinking that Lassie is God. And if you do something stupid or bad, you're making Lassie cry in heaven. And that's why it's raining all the time in the Pacific Northwest. So oh, that's a good idea. Maybe that yeah, would work. <laughs> yeah, use use guilt. Um, but no, uh, real important, though, you do want to make sure that the dog is sitting and is quiet before you start any kind of a reward. You know, that okay. way you're, you're bookmarking that behavior instead of them getting to run up when they're barking and being naughty and being told that they're they're good and everything's OK. Make them oh. sit. Make her be quiet. Then say everything's okay and, and, and reward her. Can I re, should I reward her with like a, a physical treat? If that or just w- a pet, you know, it's if you if with a Shetland sheepdog, I would say petting is you know, I mean, whatever's usual for her. With the herding breeds, often their reward is is that love, is that affection. Um, if it was something like uh, an American Eskimo or a, a husky or something, I would say treat just because they seem to be more food motivated when you get into the wolf genome clusters of dogs. And I can okay. name off a lot of those, but if you got one, you probably know it, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, with with a herding breed, usually just positive affirmations of positive. love and affection oh. tend to work well with those breeds. Okay, well, I'm going to try that and hopefully, you know, I'll let you know if that works. Well, we would appreciate that. Call back uh, in the future and let us know how that's going. I will do that, and thank you very much. You are very welcome, and, and you're blessed to have a Sheltie. There, you know what? <laughs> I wouldn't have anything else. I, I, I wouldn't I, mind having a whole pack of them. I have, have a whole flock of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, they'd have to grow wings, but that's fine. 
Correct. <laughs> well, you you take care and and good luck with that, Shelty. Give give her a hug and a kiss for me too. I will do that. Thank you very much, and you have a great day. You too. You're welcome. Bye. And I want to remind everyone, remind everyone that we're mis- we're listening to Animal Calls. This is our first day on the air at Alternative Talk, 1150 AM KKNW in Seattle. We're entirely listener-supported, so if you like what you hear and we're solving problems with you and your animals, we invite you to visit our website at animalcallsradio.com. And think about leaving us a tip for service at our GoFundMe campaign. Again, AnimalCallsRadio.com, and you're on the air with Carpathia Kingsley, who is a certified animal behaviorist from the University of Washington. And hello, we're back. Yes, and uh, now we've got Kelly calling in from Vancouver, B.C. Welcome to the uh, show, Kelly. Hello. Hello, Kelly. What have we got going Hi. on today? Um, well, I'm driving out to uh, Abbotsford right now, an hour and a half drive to go work with a little terrier out there. And I have a van full of, how many do I have in here? Two, five, seven, eight, nine, nine dogs. So I have nine dogs in my van with me right now, and they're all pretty quiet, including our little demon is in here. Oh, boy. The demon I know? <laughs> the demon that you know and love. Uh, let's get demon's name again so we can just keep notes. Nicodemus. Oh, Nikki. I purposely put the word demon in his name because his <laughs> nickname is Demon. Like last night I called him inside. I'm like, demon! And he comes running. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I know Kelly. And I know little Nicodemus, um, who is close to my heart for being an American Eskimo. Uh, He's like a I, beautiful, a beautiful specimen of Esky physically. Mentally, <laughs> I'm convinced that there's wires that are just sparking and like, you look at him and you're just like, something's wrong with you. <laughs> well, how long is, has Nicodemus been living with this this little controlled pack that you have. And, and I'll, I'll explain. Tell us what you do. Okay. So I am a um, dog trainer up here in the Vancouver, BC area. I specialize in reactive and rescue dogs. That's pretty much what I'm honing my, um, my talent on, shall I say. I have a really good reputation up here. Um, I don't really do obedience or nose work or, you know, personal protection or anything like that. Um, I'm really focused on these dogs because I started – PB and she dog rescue in 2012. So I've been working with rescue dogs for 10 years and short and sweet. I saw a lot of the same problems coming with these dogs out of the shelter, resource guarding, reactivity on leash, you know, even some aggression, uh, prey drive, et cetera, et cetera. And no trainers wanted to work with them. So I was like, Hey, I'm going to get certified and I'm going to train these dogs. And that's what I've been doing for the last four years solely. That's been my job. Um, and, uh, I am at a point in the way that I met you, to let all of your viewers know, is I have been working with this little demon, Nicodemus, (laughs) for, I think I'm coming up on 11 months now. It's 10 or 11 months, and I've hit a wall, and we've plateaued. And I reached out to you, what, two, three months ago? Yes. And I just, I went on to an ESCII, I went on to two different ESCII um, Facebook groups asking for help, because... I am not the trainer that has any kind of ego saying that, oh, if I can't do it, there's something wrong with this dog. No, this dog can be fixed. What I'm doing isn't working, so I'm ready to bring in, you know, 
some more manpower. So I reached out to you. I got a lot of great information from you. Absolutely used it. And we did make a bit more progress. Um, again, to let your viewers know the story, uh, Nicodemus was surrendered to the Richmond Animal Shelter um, about a year ago, maybe even a year and a half. And um, now we look back and know that the woman was lying. woman turned him in, said that she had found him on the street. He had a muzzle on. Everyone now that knows Nicodemus, nobody can go near this dog. He is, he is honestly, I would, I would say he's aggressive. Like, this is a dog that's not, not doing it out of fear. He's not doing it out of excitement. He's doing it because he wants to hurt a person or another dog. And um, now that we know that, I brought him into my home hoping to rehabilitate him. And I did make some great progress. Like, at this point, we can walk out and 95% of the time, if another person doesn't pay him any attention whatsoever, he'll ignore them. But occasionally, he'll be like, nope, like, two, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before yesterday, um, I had a landscaper come over to look at my yard. And Nicodemus was in his pen in the back, and he just would not stop. Um, I was listening to your previous call about the, the barking dog, and Nicodemus takes it to a level that just, I, I, you know, picture in my head just choking the life out of him. I hope you all know that's a joke, but we all get to that point with our dogs where you're like, I just want you to permanently go to sleep for a second. <laughs> Who has some chloroform? <laughs> right? Exactly. Where I'm just like, I just want to get that little dart and be like, and just in the neck, and you take a nap for 30 minutes so I can talk because... I even went up to the pen, and don't get me wrong, he had hit his threshold, he was over it, he was fully in that fugue state of just, you know, trauma, and just nothing was happening. You could tell his eyes had glassed over, and all he was doing was focused on the sight and barking and barking and barking and barking and jumping and jumping. And, and that, that's an American Eskimo that. sometimes, you know, especially the males. Uh, some, You know, when you talk about Eskies and how they can have these behaviors, you always have those people jump in. Oh, my Esky doesn't do that. They're fine. And then, you oh, you know, yeah. you find out that it's it's a spade female or something. It's just a completely different ballgame. Oh, I ball talked game. to somebody yesterday that has a Belgian Malinois that sleeps 14 hours a day. And <laughs> I'm like, that's not normal. <laughs> well, how old is it? It's young. It's like two or three years old. And immediately I'm like, I think you should take that dog to the vet. And they're like, we have. She's just a lazy Malinois. And I'm like, well, that's the only one I've ever heard of in the history of mankind. That, uh, yeah, that's supposed to be a, a pretty highly reactive dog. I mean, that's what they want. That's, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's... So again, you know, from <laughs> what I've seen, though, Nicodemus is, is not necessarily the exception to the rule. And after talking to you and understanding about the ancient breeds and understanding about why we bred them and what his DNA is telling him. I get it, but it's just like, for me at this point... How do you manage I'm that? I'm at 11 months right now, and nobody else can still touch this dog, no matter... I've tried everything, and I mean, your suggestion, and I laugh about it, sorry, <laughs> I adore you, was for me to leave the situation because you felt that he was protecting me. Yeah. But if I leave, that person's getting bit for sure. <laughs> Well, I mean, there's it's it's going to have to be a matter of how you start introducing him. I, and, and I'm going to just mention, I, I cannot believe the advice that you got from someone else about oh holding holding him down, because I'm going to point this out and say this is so bad and so wrong and you never yes. want to do this. Yes. To hold him down and let a bunch of strangers come up and pet him. That is so that would be so 
neurosis triggering and anxiety triggering in any breed of dog. But and mentally yeah, wise, yeah. that's great for a dog. To, that to, is right. Well, especially for them to clearly say I don't want this, and for you to physically restrain them while somebody touches them and thinking yeah. that's going to be a positive experience. Yeah. No, that's absolutely the, the the opposite of anything that you want to do, and and especially with the wolf genome breeds. And um, yeah. like I was exp- uh, explaining to you before. American Eskimos, um, Huskies, Malamutes, uh, I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, Akitas, uh, they all present still with the wolf genome in their DNA. So they do think differently. They are called uh, one of the ancient Ancient breeds. breeds. And uh, you do want to deal with them differently. He and, you know, my guy gets lit up if some stranger comes around on the property as well. I'm always having to tell people, do not stick your fingers through the fence. Um, And the point that I'll make is white will bite. So because I have him and I have the Shetland Sheepdog, who's not going to do that, who's going to bark, but not with the aggression. The Esky has the aggression. And a lot of them, a lot of them do. As I was explaining to you before, they were selected for a lot of these uh, specific behaviors because they would be used to sit on a sled. While the sled dogs pulled the sled, the Eskies would sit on the sled and protect the sled. So often yeah. they really enjoy a world where they are a one-person That's dog. he wants to do, yeah. to be honest with you. He loves to protect, whether it be the house or the van or me. It's, it's exactly what you were saying in that call about the breed you know, and I say this all the time in my training because I, I deal with power breeds. So I deal with pit bulls and mastiffs and German shepherds and breed and, and all of that. You're not training out genetics. Right. We can get to a certain point, but I'm not going to stop a herding dog from herding. I'm right. not going to stop a protection dog from protecting. Like there's nothing that we can do about that. And for Nick's, I feel like it really is this combination of nature and nurture right. that he has this neuroses that when he gets into these fugue states, he goes back to that primal thing of, okay, I'm freaking out, so I'm going to find something to protect, and I'm going to protect it with every fiber in my being, because that's all I know how to do right now. And, and again, um, it's kind of like dealing with a cute little wolf. So, um, yeah. you know, there, there's a lot of things that, that one could do. I Honestly, I would say he seems like he would be probably happiest in a home where he can be a one-person dog with somebody yeah. who doesn't have a lot of visitors, that person's yeah. got to be out there, and I can help yeah. with um, ideas of how to do introductions to get him used to that person. I'm being raced along here, and that's why I'm talking kind of fast with you. Oh no! I okay. do want to yeah, stay. I, I do want to stay in touch with you, though, and I would love to yeah. talk with you specifically later because I'm very invested in Nicodemus and I, I really I, I love him well, I because let you know I have actually signed up for two training sessions with other trainers to get their input on it and Good. I'm actually going to be doing a call out on my training page and I'm like bring it on I'm a balanced trainer bring the force free trainers in I don't want to be adversive because that's not his style but if if I think that this is a great challenge of like let see what works because he is a positive reinforcement based dog he is a dog that loves treats and everything but absolutely i have tried everything in my toolbox so i am ready for others to give me advice so okay and i have to, to give me advice the pack dog training <laughs> please message me <laughs> absolutely and i i will stick with you on this one i do have to go i'm being sped along here because we have another call and we only have a few minutes left on the show but i will stay in touch with you absolutely and i commend you for not letting your ego get in the way and and having other people come in to deal with Nicodemus. <laughs> 
Um, but I've got to go. I've, we've got to run along to the next call now. I am going to okay. stay in touch with you, though. You and I, we're, right. we're connected. We're on this. Yeah. So We'll talk soon, babe. You have a great day. <laughs> you too. Take care. You're listening to Animal Calls, a new radio show here in Seattle on 1150 AM KKNW. We're entirely listener-supported, and if you like what you hear in the way that Carpathia Kingsley, a certified animal behaviorist, is solving problems with you and your animals, visit our website at animalcallsradio.com. That's animalcallsradio.com. And please consider giving us a tip for our GoFundMe campaign. No more callers? I thought there was another caller on the line. Oh, so. Oh, I could have kept Kelly. <laughs> oh, well, you could have. Maybe the caller hung up. Who knows? Well, hey, if Kelly... but you know what? We need to give the caller number again, which is? Oh, which is? Let me flip over here from my notes. Is 425-373-5527 or 888-298-KKNW, which is 5569. If Kelly is still out there listening, one thing I would like to just do a quick suggestion with Nicodemus. Um, Again, I'm not a veterinarian and I am not a nutritionist, but I have seen really great results, especially with um, this cluster of breeds, in reducing the protein in their food. Again, you always want to double check things with a veterinarian first, with... um, somebody who does nutrition and whatnot. So I'm not saying that that's something that I, I, again, this is just something that I've had personal experience with working. And I mean, there's a general consensus that this is, is a workable thing is to reduce the protein, maybe see what kind of food that you're feeding him and try to find something that's lower in protein content. So you can visit our website at animalcallsradio.com, and uh, you can uh, email us from there. You can also think about giving us a tip at our GoFundMe campaign because we're entirely listener-supported at this point. Well, yeah, and that would be fantastic. We like to see money coming in. We also (laughs) are open to sponsorships and advertisers. Uh, There's got to be a whole lot of people out there doing something with pet products. If you've got bling uh, that you're selling, you know, pretty collars, uh, leashes, devices, training tools, food supplements, because we have a lot of people calling in that are interested in those things. Maybe you're a dog walker. Uh, I was going to say with everybody going back to work now with COVID going on, we have a lot of issues with separation anxiety. And one of my suggestions in that is, uh, well, for one, everything's nice when it's done slowly. Maybe you can start with uh lesser amounts of time away from home so your animal can become, you know, adjusted to that slower and over time. But also you might want to consider reaching out and looking for a dog walker. And if somebody has a business doing dog walking in the area, that would also be great advertising for us. Um, Having somebody stop by your, your place once a day or twice a day or whatever that you like while you're at work to check on your little guy and send pictures to you at work and take him for a walk and get him out of the house can help with the separation anxiety. So we've got about a minute left. Any final thoughts? Final thoughts. Well, I, I would like to say today seemed to focus quite a bit on our canine friends, and I would like to just make a point that it doesn't have to just be canine behavior. We can discuss feline behavior. I have additional certification specifically in feline behavior. That's cats for you regular folks. (laughs) Yes. 
it's uh, in layman terms. Meow. Um, <laughs> cat behavior, a uh, horse, goat, livestock, wildlife. After the fire in paradise, um, I was I was having to deal with a lot of wildlife questions. When everything was burned down, uh, you had some strange behavior with wildlife because their homes had been burned out, and now you were facing a situation where it could be four o'clock in the afternoon, and there's a mountain lion moseying down the street looking for easy targets like your pets. So, you know, these are things that we can talk about and discuss as well. How to keep yourself safe in a danger zone. So visit us at animalcausradio.com if you've got questions or you want to find out more. And if we're signing out for the day, remember, these are my monkeys, this is my circus, and I'm the ringmaster. And you can enjoy my show every Friday at the noon hour here on KKNW 1150 AM radio. If you have questions or show ideas, visit AnimalCallsRadio.com and drop me a note. And have a wonderful rest of your day. And remember to kiss your pets when you get home unless they're fish or poisonous snakes. Love, love, and puppy chow. Bye-bye. Thank <laughs> you.